Welcome back to Raw Nomadic Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Let's go. Hey, thank you for listening. I'm looking at the map here, and I see you, Brussels, Belgium. I see you, Singapore. Every time I put out a podcast, you listen. Thank you so much. I just think it's so cool to look at this map. It's really fun to see more and more of you pop up in such unlikely places <laughs> like Russia and Africa and South America. Like, just, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Um, wow. Welcome back. I think I'm just going to talk today about what I learned while I was in Hawaii. I feel like most people think when you say you're in Hawaii, they're like, oh, must be rough. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a lot of the time. But, you know, I went there to tackle some really tough lessons. I wanted to uh, heal scarcity thinking. I wanted to master the art of surrender. I know, no small feats, right? And I wanted to learn how to really stay raw. And uh, man, they say Hawaii delivers your intentions. They, um, you know, also say Hawaii is for healing. You know how I feel about that. I absolutely agree 100%. I really thought I could heal some things by taking the bull by the horns. And that's not how these things are really taught. It's not how the lessons really stick with you. I mean, God, I got to laugh at myself when I think about that. Like, did I really think that's how I was going to learn these things? That hasn't worked so far, you know. It's when you weather the storms that you learn these things. So I'm just going to get right into it um, because I made a list of 40 things that I learned when I was in Hawaii this time. And yes, the weather was beautiful. And yes, I had some incredible experiences there. But I also had some of the toughest times. Oh, my gosh. Let's start with um, my animal communication practice practically coming to a standstill. Um I think that needed to happen. And that was part of a ceiling scarcity thinking, um, you know, realizing that the universe was still providing for me every day. I had everything I needed. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm still, I'm still processing a lot of this. So, uh, the first thing on my list was that periodic depression has much more to do with my ADHD than it does seasonal affective disorder. This is a revelation because all these years I've thought that I get depressed in the winter because, you know, there's hardly any sunlight and it's cold outside and I become a part bear and I just want to eat carbs and hibernate and be under a blanket with my dog. And <laughs> no, there's much more to it. Um, yes, it does factor in a little bit. Um, winters have always been tougher for me. But I think that it has a lot more to do with the ADHD and um, and how I'm fueling in the winter. I just want comfort food, you know, again, um, I think I could live on like rice and mashed potatoes and stuff like that, you know, and that really messes with my brain. I discovered that I knew that my brain doesn't do well on grains, but it really 
um, is so much worse in the wintertime because of that. So this was huge because I had been operating under the assumption that if I was someplace warm and sunny in the winter, that I would be a completely different person. But no, I'm <laughs> still ADHD and I can still get depressed. I remember texting my niece. I was like, hey, guess what? I can get depressed anywhere on the planet. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> Even in Hawaii. Um, yeah, I had some really really heavy days. Um, and really it just comes down to the thoughts in your head and the brain chemistry and how you're seeing things, how you're perceiving your situation. So yeah, that first one is a doozy. Uh, number two, scrubbing toilets depresses the hell out of me <laughs> because at 52, I associate it with personal failure. Um, I don't think of anybody else that way that is working in housekeeping or custodial work or I don't, but I just kept going back to like, how is it possible that this is my life right now? Having, you know, graduated from second city, having, uh, gone to hypnotherapy school, uh, having been, you know, an improv actor and a writer and written four books and, you know, like I just, I couldn't tell if it was my ego that I was like, you know, battling or what it was depending on the day, but it wasn't until my flights home that I realized how I could have reframed, uh, those moments. Cause I just really kept feeling like such a failure even though I knew that didn't really make sense. And this wasn't like my career for the rest of my life. It was just how I was covering the cost of my room. I was trading, um, you know, hours working as a housekeeper part-time uh, in exchange for my room. So um, that was, you know, my plan B if business didn't pick up and business, you know, didn't. I did have some clients while I was there but not nearly as many as I had before I went to Hawaii. And I just couldn't figure out, was it the algorithm? Was it, you know, I, I just couldn't make sense of it. Um, it still to this day does not make sense. Um, but business picked up the moment I landed in Chicago. When I checked my email, I had, you know, a client like begging me to do a session right then. It was like almost midnight. Um, and the next day was very busy. So, and I hadn't put out any TikToks in about a week, I guess, maybe five days. So algorithm, no, that doesn't make any sense at all because I still hadn't when business picked up. The universe <laughs> showing me that I'm not a failure. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> so I realized that I could have reframed that whole situation every time I was getting depressed while doing housekeeping uh, by telling myself, like, I'm in a tiny way here helping other people uh, have a really good experience in Hawaii and grow and heal from, from their issues. I wish I could have thought of that at the time. I just, uh, it was just so humbling, so humbling. Uh and in the end, really, it's what, you know, I just, 
I wasn't even on the clock when, um, when someone from management um, really talked to me like I was absolute dirt. Someone I had never had a conversation with before. And I just drew a line in the sand. Was that, that, that's it. That's it. I'm going home. And within 45 minutes, I was at the airport. <laughs> so, or on my way to the airport. Um, number three, God and the universe always provide everything I need. Man, I really, really got that in Hawaii. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't living paycheck to paycheck. It was day to day. Like, just as a bill was due, I would have enough to cover it. And I really believe that this was the healing of scarcity thinking that I was looking for. Just um, accepting, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Look, here we are again. You're okay. You're fine. So that was a very powerful lesson. Uh, number four, my ADHD contributed to our relationship challenges more than I realized. This was huge. I was listening to a podcast called Faster Than Normal by Peter Schenkman and also uh, read the first chapter of his book, Faster Than Normal. And my partner, when I mentioned it, um, he purchased that book and started reading it himself and realized like I was so chapter one, he said. <laughs> um, I'm just seeing the whole relationship through a different lens now because even though I knew that I had ADHD, there were a lot of things I didn't realize I did because of them. And I know that sounds ridiculous because I've known I've had ADHD for most of my life and I've read a lot about it, but not in a while. And some things started to come up in the podcast and also in the book that I had not associated with ADHD. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of one of these. Um, Oh, I know. Um, imposter syndrome and not giving myself credit where credit is due. Um, as far as the relationship goes, let me think of a good example there. Um, always trying to fix things. Um, being a creative problem solver, I thought was my issue, but it's also an ADHD thing. It's it's that creative problem solving, not being able to like turn it off. <laughs> and sometimes my partner just needs to be heard. It's kind of like we have a role reversal as far as men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Yeah. So, um, and also just the fact that, okay, so I always looked at the fact that he was on the spectrum some and he liked things to be the same and predictable and safe. And I had ADHD and I like things to be an adventure and always be learning and always be different. And to see just how much um, that complicates a relationship and just how much more it takes to navigate those big differences, those basic differences, has been very interesting. I feel like it, it took me owning my ADHD more and not coming so much from a place of shame about it. Just realizing like, this is the type of person that I am. And also looking at history um, as far as when were these skills useful? <laughs> um, 
when we were cave dwellers, these were very useful skills, being able to shift your attention uh, very quickly and be able to monitor a lot of different things, being able to hunt while you're being hunted and being able to find um, food while you're hunting, uh, you know, being able to forage while you're doing uh, lots of different things. Just that constant shifting of attention and um, ability to pick things up quickly and adjust quickly and thriving on being nomadic and just all kinds of things um, were important to our survival, our evolution as a species. I mean, let's be honest, you know, uh, Peter Shinkman talks about how, you know, our founding forefathers, uh, you know, in the States here, uh, what I'm referring to, you know, leaving England, uh, going against, uh, the patriarchy and, uh, you know, having no guarantee that they were going to survive. And, you know, all of these things are very ADHD, just huge risk taking, um, it was all very interesting and I'm still, you know, uh, just getting started on the book. So if you have a chance to listen to the podcast, uh, faster than normal, I highly recommend it. Um, he's a fantastic speaker and he interviews fascinating experts in the field as well as everyday people like yourself and myself. So yes, these things have contributed to, uh, the challenges in our relationship a great deal. And we're, we're negotiating and navigating, repairing our relationship in a much healthier way, I feel now. Um, it feels good. It's nice. It's really good to be home. I needed to go through this. I needed to go through everything I went through to get to where I am now, just like all of us. Um, number five, yes, on flight back, I realized I could have reframed how I felt about housekeeping, scrubbing toilets, by thinking about some, you know, way, okay, so this is a little bit repetitive because I jumped ahead, but again, how that contributed to people's experience there um, and their growth and just not, um, I think blowing it out of proportion as far as, you know, a really good friend of mine that I made there uh, kept reminding me, um, but this isn't like your life, you know, this isn't forever. This is for a short period that you're doing this work. And, um, you know, it doesn't define you, um, which was easy to understand when I wasn't doing it, um, but in the thick of things, um, you know, a hostel is not the cleanest place. And it was, yeah, it was tough work. So number six, you never know when you're going to be presented with an opportunity to rebuild an old friendship. So a friend came to see me whom I went to school with, oh my gosh, almost four years ago we met. We're coming up on 40 years, 39 right now. And she uh, reached out to me. She's one of the most successful people I know. And um, she has a PhD in business administration, something like that. And she does not have ADHD. And, and even though I know it's not healthy to compare, I had done a lot of comparing because I thought we were just, um, how did our paths become so different when we were best friends through most of high school? through all of high school, really, and in junior high, too. And while I'm doing this, all the while, she's been compiling a list of all the things that we have in common, 
all the ways in which we are alike. And it's pretty extensive. So that was an eye opener. And she said she it, it really bothered her to see me be so hard on myself. And uh, I shouldn't look back with regrets that I'm a doer. So that was um, nice to hear. And we had a really good time. And so, yeah, you never know when you're going to have the opportunity to rebuild an old friendship. And I'm really glad that she came to visit, even though it also made me nervous. And I confessed to that. She said, do you have any anxiety about me coming to visit? And I was like, yeah, I, I do a lot of unhealthy comparing. And um, it was good to face that fear. You know, I mean, she's actually shown up in dreams of mine where I've been like, oh, oh no not now like she's a symbol for for success in my subconscious uh and so she'll come, pop up in dreams sometimes and at a moment where I'm having a particularly <laughs> tough time and I'll be like oh no so um I think you know that probably has shifted now in my subconscious it's very interesting we'll see We'll see when she pops up again in there, but it was a really good experience. I'm really glad she came to visit, and um, and I feel like I I, I gained a, a friend, even though we have gone on a trip before, like five years ago, um, and we talked a lot. Um, we still had so much more, I think, repairing and rebuilding to do. So nothing like a week long slumber party <laughs> to accomplish that. That was really good and really nice for her to offer to let me stay with her at her hotel, which was like 300 feet literally from the hostel. So it was all really convenient. And I just kept kept on uh, working until I had uh, like a few days off where we could just relax and have fun. Number seven, your partner may be hurting and struggling just as much as you are with the same thoughts. That was a real eye opener. Um, yeah. We were both having a hard time, and I think we're better together than apart. We've um, been really close since I got back, and and just always, uh, you know, wondering like, are you taking your partner for granted? Like, first of all, we had we had broken up, but then we had a really good holiday together, and um, thought, well, maybe maybe we can fix this. Maybe we can move through this. And so I set off again with that in mind. And um, and then it was realizing that we were kind of in a similar place um, with our thoughts and just really struggling uh, that made me, you know, realize that um, I didn't, I really, really didn't want to take my partner for granted, that he is still my partner and that I do want it to work and that we are better together than apart and, you know, I always want to make sure I'm making the right choice. And sometimes it can be a real hang up for me. Um, I don't want to be choosing something that um, inhibits my growth or holds me back. And I mean, like my own thinking, my own choices. And so, um, I don't know, things just became a lot more clear about my relationship. And I'm grateful for my partner grateful for another chance to work things out um, between us and just become better, better people, better partners. Uh, number eight, maybe I'll still go to Paris, but make the trip shorter. So I did um, contact the people that I was going to do animal sits for in Paris and Rabat, Morocco. And well, she, actually she's not in Paris, she's in the south of France. 
and um, told them, you know, about my back injury and that I was re-injuring it every day. I'd injured it on a dog sit on the 16th of January, and due to housekeeping and subsequent dog sits, uh, I just kept hurting my back over and over again. Sometimes it was like every day. And when I contacted my doctor back here in Chicago, she said, you need physical therapy. And also my good friend Maya had said the same thing. She's a yoga teacher. She's like, I think if you don't get physical therapy, you're going to be re-injuring this every year, which actually has happened so far since the first time I injured it in 2021. So, um, yeah, that was a hard thing to face. I definitely don't want to experience this every year. Um, I have heat on my back right now, actually. So I'm just locating a, a physical therapist now and getting everything on track with that. But, um, yeah, that was a hard thing to, I don't like to disappoint people. So it was a hard thing to contact um, the people that I was going to be doing the animal sits for and tell them that I'm really not in a good place to do that right now. Travel solo is one thing to travel solo with an injury. Um is another and then you know add depression into that which was also part at least stemming from having a back injury um like being in pain every day um yeah that's just not a good recipe for traveling by yourself and i had to finally admit that when i started to think about what if one of my nieces or a nephew was planning to do this I wouldn't encourage that at all. I'd say, you know what? I think you need to take care of yourself for a while and just uh, get the ground beneath you again and do some self-care, take care of your back, get your head in a good place, you know, before you even think about traveling solo again. So, and now, like, this, the guilt is creeping in, like, that you're probably thinking, oh, that's why she went home and is working things out with their partner. And that's what I was afraid of at times, um, that I just wanted to work on the relationship for the right reasons. And, um, and now I know that I am. But just so many things were happening at once. It was tough to sort it all out and make sure that I was making the right decision. And I think we've all been there. Uh, Number nine, as an adult, I lose my temper when someone attempts to bully me. It doesn't happen often as adults, does it? Um, but yeah, I just, as an adult, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to stand for it. So I know this about myself now. And, um, and I think that that's a good thing, you know? We grow up and we um, learn to stand our ground and not be pushed around and and bullied. It's not okay at any age, but I think as kids, you know, we're just learning so much and growing so much. And by the time you get to be an adult, when someone tries to pull something like that, at first it's disbelief. Um, but then all your life experience kicks in. Thank God. Number 10, you don't heal scarcity thinking by taking the bull by the horns. You heal it by surviving scarcity. <laughs> Hello, of course. Of course you do. Yeah, took me a bit to figure that out. 
Uh, number 11, you don't master the art of surrender by worrying about failing every day. <laughs> you surrender <laughs> and stop worrying. Uh, number 12, you don't learn to stay raw vegan by comforting yourself through fear or pain with cooked food. That was tough, 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 tough. Because when the pain, especially when you're in pain or when you're sick, you just want to comfort yourself. And I've always done that with food. So I had to be forgiving with myself but also try to remember other ways to comfort myself. And a big one was floating and meditating in the ocean. That was a big help. And it was uh, a big go-to in meditating in general. 13 seahorses are magical wise creatures. Bordering on mythical, I swear. I will never, ever forget holding that seahorse in my hand and having it tell me to stop trying to control everything. It seems like something out of a dream. But I can still see its little eye opening and closing, its little tail unfurling and curling back up. And that mane was actually a fin. Like, he was just so tiny and so beautiful. It was so surreal. And yes, I was even trying to control, like, his final moments, he was clearly dying and he needed to be let go to finish that journey the way that he saw fit. He didn't need any help from me and so I let him go. That was tough, but I've thought about it so many times since and I think about him every time I'm trying to like gain control of a situation I'm in and, and I think of that seahorse, I probably always will. Uh, number 14, you'll... Always miss your dog more than you think. True, true, true. I miss Jebby so much. It's so good to be back home with her and to be sleeping with her and taking care of her and even walking her. <laughs> She's my dog daughter, so. Number 15, housekeeping is very hard work. Tip accordingly. I'll never stay anywhere without tipping my housekeeper again. Like just, it's a no-brainer now. I've always said that we should all have to wait tables for uh, a month before we get our driver's license. Like that should be a universal law so that we all tip uh, waiters and waitresses accordingly. Um, and if you've ever been a waiter or waitress like myself or a bartender or anyone in the service industry really, um, yeah, it's, it's hard work and tip accordingly. Number 16, you never know when you're going to make a truly great friend. My friend Maya uh, became a very close friend and um, she's a yoga teacher and um, well, she's many things, but uh, she also was doing housekeeping for her room um, and just a fantastic person. And she let me do some dream therapy with her which helped her a lot, which brings me to number 17, dream therapy or hypnotic dream work can change someone's life quickly. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to my site at sherrymichelle.com. And uh, yeah, it was really nice to do dream work again, and I had hoped to do more of it, but I don't know, people shied away from it. They got excited about it initially, and then they would change their minds, and that's okay. I think hypnosis still has a stigma attached to it, unfortunately even if um, the client is the one hypnotizing themselves, apparently. 
maybe I should lean more towards teaching people to write uh, the process out like I do for myself. Um, it's just as effective if you ask me. And if you go to my TikTok channel, um, it's uh, Animal Communication Sherry, S-H-E-R-I. If you go to my TikToks, uh, I do have several uh, uh, TikToks about doing that with a dream, with my Michael Jordan dream uh, that I had back in, I think, 2016. Um, yeah, it was very interesting because that was a very short dream. It was very simple. It was from years ago, and I got so much out of it just by writing it out, letting all the characters in my dreams speak their piece, why they were there, what they wanted, having them talk to each other. It was fascinating and, and healing. So really encourage you to look into that. Number 18, you can change your entire situation anytime you want and in very short order. Like I said, within 45 minutes, I was in a car on my way to the airport. You know, it was a decision that I was having such a tough time making because I didn't want to cheat myself out of some valuable life lessons. Could I have grown even more had I stayed? Sure, I'm sure I could have. Uh, was it time to go home? Yes, it was. And um, yeah, I made that happen very quickly once I'd made up my mind and now I'm in a much different headspace, much healthier headspace. So you have to listen to your heart, your love for yourself as well as for other people and your respect for yourself. Number 19, I cannot be bullied anymore. I know this for a fact. That is an important thing to know. Number 20, walking makes a pinched nerve worse, not better. <laughs> I had it in my head like, oh, if I just walk, if I just keep walking, it'll make itself better. Because I used to work with someone years and years and years ago, like 30 years ago, who said she had to walk every day or her back got really, uh, really messed up. And that was not the case with a pinched nerve, I learned eventually because I made it the worst it has ever been by walking too far. So, <laughs> I should have Googled sooner. 21, it feels good to take care of someone. It did, it felt good to come home and take care of Gabe and Jebby and, and myself. And I suppose I could have viewed housekeeping that way but I just wasn't able to at the time. And I'm going to forgive myself for that. Number 22, I'm appreciated by many. Um, people were so kind. A lot of my followers um, were very, very kind uh, to me and reminded me of how much um, I'm appreciated. And, and my family too, and friends, and that just felt really nice. It's nice to be reminded. Number 23, I get motion sickness snorkeling, and sometimes even swimming. It's true. I knew that I got it swimming sometimes because of the many triathlons I've done. Uh, it took me a couple tries to figure out that it was swimming in the lake that was making me sick. Uh, and once I figured that out and took boning, uh, my transition from swim to uh, bike was a lot better. 
but snorkeling, it did not occur to me until I was in Hanauma Bay uh, that this would be a problem. So I had a lot of fun though, and the fish were so big and let you get so close to them. Really colorful, just an amazing experience. So I know now I should just always have something with me for motion sickness. And I'm thinking about trying that patch. I have a friend, um, Gabe's best friend, who is uh, gonna beta test that for me. <laughs> okay, so 24 people are just people. No one belongs on a pedestal. That is just setting yourself up for disappointment. I'm still learning that at 52, I still do it occasionally. I've gotten much better about it, but um, yeah, you know, you just eventually they're just going to do something very human and and that's the way it is and the way it should be and yeah don't be putting people on pedestals we're all just human 25 animal sits are always fun the animals are always awesome but they can also be a lot of work <laughs> so um yeah that's a fact that being said, Trusted House Sitters has been a really great experience, and I highly recommend it. Uh, number 26, always try on shorts, even if you think you're going to miss the sunset. Truth. Yep. Don't be walking around in shorts that are way too big because you were afraid one night you were going to miss the sunset. <laughs> uh, 27, silence is golden and necessary for recording animal communication sessions. I cannot have a bunch of racket going on during a session. I had to um, transcribe several sessions, which takes me forever in a day. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. The things we take for granted, silence, quiet, having a quiet place to work. Oh, my gosh. I'm never going to take that for granted again. Number 28, you never know when someone will appear with fresh fruit. That was really a magical experience. Kimanta, if you're out there listening, I'll never forget. You just showing up with fresh fruit. He um, would sell it uh, on the beach and just around Waikiki. And it was so appreciated, especially just arriving there raw vegan. God, that was just magical. Uh, 29, I can still learn a new card game and become good at it. I always think I'm terrible at cards, but no. I can learn a new card game, and I can even beat the person who taught me. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it's just like one of those beliefs that just isn't really true that I have about myself, that I'm not good at cards. So maybe I just overthink it. Number 30, I'm too hard on myself. Ding, ding, ding. I am. And it's an ADHD trait. What do you know? Yeah, um, I don't give myself enough credit uh, enough of the time for the things that I have done. I tend to focus on my shortcomings and things that I haven't been able to be successful with and um, I'm trying to turn that around. Number 31, I'm a doer. According to my old friend Tracy, I'm a doer. She's uh, told her kids this and um, has told me this repeatedly and so uh yeah, it's nice to hear. I really thought of myself that way. Um, but I will take that compliment gladly. Number 32, some people enjoy uh, picking me up from the airport. I know that sounds like a silly thing, but 
in Chicago, they say like that's the true test if someone will go to O'Hare to pick you up because it's like so huge and complicated. Well, I was a chauffeur, so I was going there all, all day, every day for many years. So it's not as overwhelming to me. And I forget that for people who haven't been out there very much, it can be really overwhelming and stressful. Uh, but I have a friend who uh, dispatches for the city and we used to uh, work together at a limo company he dis- dispatched for and I was a chauffeur and and he still likes to pick me up from the airport, which is fun. And so we had a good catch up session and um, he was just a really good friend to me while I was in Hawaii too, very supportive. And uh, yeah, he has some tests coming up this week. I hope everything comes out okay. A uh, little concern for his health. Um, so I got to keep checking in with him, make sure he's doing all right. But was very grateful for the ride home from Midway uh, in the middle of the night. Um, and I didn't let him drive me to the airport. I didn't even ask him uh, when I was going to Hawaii because it was his birthday and I didn't want to, you know, him to have to get up at a crazy hour to drive me to the airport on his birthday. Well, he was a little upset about that, that I didn't even ask him. So <laughs> note to self. All right. Number 33, travel nurses are fascinating people. Taniki, if you're listening, um, she's in her 70s. She's a retired travel nurse, and I had wanted to talk to a travel nurse for ages, and she did not disappoint. Such an interesting person. She once sailed from, maybe I've already mentioned this, but she once sailed from LA to Holland. She's Dutch by herself. She has uh, been all over the world and worked with such interesting people and just had incredible experiences. And I'm so grateful that she shared so many of them with us. Um, yeah, that was a real treat. The people that you meet at hostels, the stories you hear, mm, priceless. Uh, the guy I mentioned, the fresh fruit guy earlier, Kaimanta, he opened a pizzeria in Nigeria. He's from Brazil. Um, he said it was one of the hardest things he's ever done. Um, right now he's living in Maui. So Kaimanta, if you're listening, hey. Uh, 30... Four, you can be watching someone on TikTok for a year and suddenly find yourself working with them and even folding your laundry, their laundry. That's weird. It was a very weird moment. I didn't realize until the last shirt. I was like, oh my gosh, I know who this laundry belongs to. Just surreal. Um, yeah, so that person though got me through a lot of tough, cold winter days. Um by sharing their travel experiences, and I will always be grateful for that. 35, admitting you need help and being vulnerable is how you grow, make progress, and win at life. That's from Stutz. If you haven't seen Stutz, it is Jonah Hill's documentary about his therapist, and it's on Netflix right now. I Highly recommend it. I've seen it twice now. I watched it with Tracy when she came to visit, and I watched it again uh, the night before I left Hawaii, not realizing I was leaving the next day. And I can't wait to see it again. Like, I want to just keep watching it, and I want to get the book uh, that Stutz co wrote with another therapist um, who I believe was a lawyer for a long uh, and then realized he wanted to be a therapist. Anyway, really take my hat off to Jonah Hill for having the guts to do something so unique 
and for wanting to share these tools for success with the world. Um, I think Stutz is a brilliant therapist and he really wants people to heal quickly, to be able to heal themselves, to, um, he's definitely an outside the box thinker and I love that. So check it out. S-T-U-T-Z, Stutz. Fantastic documentary. Uh, let's see, another thing I'm watching right now is Clarkson's Farm. Don't know if any of you have seen this, but it's a fantastic series. And uh, Jeremy Clarkson, um, farming. Yeah, I never heard of the guy until I saw it. So uh, there's a new season out right now. I highly recommend that. It's really entertaining. And I totally think he has ADHD. I think that's one of the things that made him a great journalist. And it's fun to see him just try so hard um, to be a good farmer and to do it well and to see all the mistakes he's making and he just keeps going and keeps going and it's very inspiring really. 36, I can train my brain to concentrate and read for hours again in one day. I had this book with me um, called, it's a Jensen Sarrow book, highly recommend all of her books. It's called You're a Badass at Making Money. Started reading it on the flight out there. Now, the year prior, I would read the original badass book on one flight, on my flight to Hawaii. This book, I just could not seem to finish it. I really struggled with that, and I kept saying, it must be TikTok that's shortening my attention span, or just social media in general. I was really frustrated about it. My friend Tracy said, has, have you noticed this since you had COVID? Because she was having a hard time uh, reading and processing after COVID. And she's a professor. So I thought that might be it. But I became determined uh, on the trip back to Chicago from Hawaii to overcome this. So I read for both flights. So I was traveling for 11 hours. I'd say 10 of those I read. And I finished that book. And I finished quite a bit of my dowsing book, which I'm not even going to get into that right now. If you haven't uh, read dowsing by Elizabeth Brown, and I know most of you probably have not in regards to quantum physics, it's just absolutely mind bending. Oh gosh, what a great book. I'm not even finished with it. Um, but what I read on the plane because um, I'm reading the second half of it now. Wow. It's just so interesting. And you would think it would be a very airy-fairy book, but actually so many scientists' um, research is cited in that book. I never would have expected that. I never would have guessed that. My uh, One that I really admire, Rupert Sheldrake, is even mentioned in there. It seems like every book I read seems to mention Rupert Sheldrake lately which is really fun. It's always fun to see his name pop up. Pop up. He's a British biologist uh, who, oh, he just does fantastic research, really interesting work. Like um, he wrote uh, Dogs Who Know When Their Animal, or When Their Humans Are Coming Home, or Dogs Who Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. Um, How You Know When Someone's Staring At You. It's something like that uh, is the title. Just really intriguing, interesting work. 
and his son is Cosmo Sheldrake. You've probably heard me mention him before. Fantastic musician who incorporates a lot of uh, animal sounds, bird sounds, fish sounds uh, into his music. And uh, I believe their other son's name is Merlin Sheldrake. Also a fascinating guy. 37. I can save airplane snacks for later. Or not even eat them at all. <laughs> I know, seems stupid, but it's not the law that you have to eat the snacks on the airplane. You would think it is, but I learned you don't have to eat them. Uh, 38. I don't need a seatbelt extender. I don't know how many flights in a row I've asked for one. Turns out, don't even need it. There have been times, other times, obviously, when I haven't needed one, but I assumed uh, that I did now, and I do not. That was a pleasant surprise. Uh, a lot of hard work um, paid off. Number 39, I do need structure. So... The big question is, can I provide the amount of structure that I need as someone with ADHD? I'm not sure. I'm still, still trying to decide. You know, there's a big alarm that goes off in my head. You need to go back to school. Go back to school. School is great structure. Well, yes, but you don't go to school just for the sake of structure. Um, however, I have done my best when I've had a lot of structure, and I have known this for quite some time. I remember writing myself kind of a letter about this. Um, I am considering going back to work for an airline for the structure it will provide and also the additional income for a while. Um, we'll see what happens. Being your own boss, being an entrepreneur, um, you have a lot of flexibility, a lot of freedom. I love my freedom. Is it healthy to have that much freedom if you have ADHD? I'm not sure. It's just, again, I'm still figuring it out. Um, so bear with me on that. And again, don't be surprised if I change the name of the podcast to something more ADHD related because it's kind of where I am in my life, like making peace with it, not being ashamed of it, um, realizing how many strengths I have come from this, um, realizing that it is an asset. Number 40. Sleeping in my own bed again is really nice. Yes, I learned this. And I'm forgiving myself right now for just any mistakes that I've made. You know, I always try to learn from my mistakes, and I believe every challenge is an opportunity for growth. And I grew a lot in Hawaii. I think I don't even realize just how powerful that trip was. And I hope wherever you are, you're enjoying your growth and learning from your mistakes and using them as stepping stones. 
and admitting that you're vulnerable so that you can win at life. <laughs> you are winning at life. Just know that you are. We all are. We all are in our own way. Thank you so much for being here today. I know this was a really long podcast. Thanks for listening to that whole list. Um, it's been very humbling. I'm in a very humbling period of my life. And thanks for listening. I know you could have done a lot of things with this time, but you were here with me. And I really appreciate that. And if you want to send me any feedback about the podcast or a direction you'd like to see it go in, if you'd like to see um, more interviews, um, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I would really appreciate that. You can go to my website at sherrymichelle.com. That's S-H-E-R-I-M-E-S-H-A-L.com. You can find me on TikTok at Animal Communicator Sherry. You can find me on Instagram, Raw Nomadic Lens, just like the podcast here. And you can find me on YouTube as well. So I'm probably forgetting something. Pinterest. <laughs> Does anybody do Pinterest anymore? Twitter, of course. Uh, just thanks so much for being here. And I have a feeling we're about to grow. We're about to have a big growth spurt here. And maybe polish things up a bit. It's time, right? We're in season two, so time to step things up a bit and hope to get back on track with podcasting weekly. So we've got that to look forward to. All right, carpe diem.